Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. Hey, we are back with Three Sykes and a Mic, the Not Your Average Therapy Podcast. Um, we want to thank y'all for listening. How are y'all today? What's up, Erica and April? Hey, how are you? Hey, y'all. I'm, I'm doing, doing good. good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm managing. You're doing all right. That's my phrase for the week. I'm managing. What's your phrase? I'm managing. You're managing. You're managing. That's good. That's good. Because that's a hard thing to do during these times. Uh I feel like that can be difficult. Absolutely. So hanging on it. Hanging on in there. I am trying to decide if I am enjoying these 80 degree days. I really enjoyed like the 70s that we had for the past couple of weeks. But we ventured into the 80s now. And I'm trying to decide if I'm still enjoying that temperature because I looked ahead and it looks like next week we will be venturing into the 90 degree days. Yeah, it's starting to warm up, which I'm not really excited about because I feel like we can't have two forms of oppression. Like we can't have (laughs) quarantine and heat. Like I'm just not okay with that. Right. Like, like, I'm not okay with it. My complex pool is, well, let me stop lying. I've never been in my pool in my complex, but the fact that I can't go. <laughs> I know. The I'm fact that they're like, telling you no. Right. And I'm like, April, we should do like a pool party. She's like, yeah, let's do it. And then summer leaves and no pool party happens. We so. haven't had a pool party yeah. since Tiffany's birthday, like, up to years right. ago. Oh, my God. I think I was yes. still an intern. Yeah, that was a while back. That was so fun. Yeah, I was still an intern. Even though we want to acknowledge that none of us got in the pool. Like, yeah, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. We did. Y'all we got played, in the pool. You did too. We played fake volleyball. And Marco Girl, Polo or something. Yeah, it was something. We, we played some in. game with a ball. Oh, I must yeah. have been recording because I didn't get in the pool. Oh, no, I got in. We got in. It was hot. I could have sworn you got in. Child. Okay, maybe you sat on the edge. Child, I ain't got in the pool since 1999. Look. <laughs> <laughs> you must have put your feet But in. if listeners, if listeners are, if you remember our goal setting episode, learning how to swim was one of my goals, right? So I can swim a little bit. That was one of my goals for 2020. Right, and right. coronavirus has extinguished that goal because I'm not getting in anybody's pool. Well, um, well, we just found out that we should be able to close down our house in two weeks and we have a pool. Yes. Oh, oh I'll get so, in your pool. <laughs> hopefully, um, you will still get a chance to learn how to swim in a private pool if yeah. you would like. Um, and I will even recruit my future stepson to teach you how to swim because he swims like a little fish. I'm so That's jealous. That's funny. I will definitely get in your pool. Um, <laughs> I'm not getting in like public pool water, but I'll get in your pool. I trust y'all. 
Look, knowing, look, knowing me, you probably won't because I will have oversaturated with chlorine or whatever exactly. you're supposed to put in a swimming pool. <laughs> right. And that's why sanitary. I'm like, I'll get in your pool cause, because I know it will be clean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, any memes, madness, and what's the other M stand for? Media. Media. <laughs> Memes, media, and madness. Yes. So what's been going on for everybody? Any memes, any media, any madness? Well, it's I've not plenty it's of the opposite of madness, but the Jill Scott and Erica Badu live was like a the balm in Gilead. It was one three hour long hug. It was so good. Oh. And I missed it, but I, I think did it's not miss all of the bomb comments that people have made about it. Yeah, I think it's so. on YouTube. You may be able to find it. It was like a nice hug in a warm blanket. It was dope. Wow. Wow. It was. It was so cool. I heard it was like, um, it was two queens, like sharing the throne almost like it wasn't a competition it was just a a high five you are dope you are amazing kind of back and forth yeah and I'm, it like, was. I'm here for that the thing I like the most was like like you said like that high five there was no competition it was so much respect and like love for one another and I mm-hmm. definitely think that's something that is like we needed at this time just being able to vibe out like no competition especially with black women because I you know my thing about black women friendships and how so often the media portrays black women in their relationships as very combative very like saturated with competition like one person Mm -hmm. has to one up the other person and so being able to see two amazing women you know who have their own like their own goal medals you know being mm-hmm. able to see them like celebrate one another that was amazing that's what I appreciated yeah and I love learning about songs like that is if I could get a series of this awesome writers did I think they used to have this conversation I just I love knowing the why behind a song's creation and like yeah. the process and what a, what a singer feels when they're performing it and what it means for them like I love seeing artists talk about their work like it just adds so much to it so that was something that I, I really enjoyed last Saturday I wonder if someone would be willing to produce a show like though Ooh, girl don't be giving your- I'm just saying oh. you know that that would be great like love behind the lyrics that was a great idea that's what I'm saying you might want to lock that well in. girl look I ain't got the connections you know we can produce some. Let's, let's chat after the episode. Okay, look. All right. Right. They used to do a series like that here at TAPS, and it was called Songversations, I think, mm-hmm. where they would invite artists to perform. And it was, I mean, yeah. it was that format mm-hmm. where you perform and then you talk about the song. And v, like I said, VH1 had the show too, but that's like, I, I, I hope, that's one thing I do like about the lives mm-hmm. when those artists are performing, you usually get a lot of like inside information yeah. as they're performing. So, yeah, that's my media. Awesome. Awesome. Well, my madness moment is, um, and I think we talked about this a little bit, but like, (laughs) can we whoop our parents? Like, 
Is there a way to like put your parents on punishment? Because what I have noticed is that my mom does not listen to anything I say. Like I'm over here like, lady, (laughs) I need you to like do a little bit of working out or I need you to do this or Mm -hmm. do that. And she is very, very resistant. And I feel like I would have got a whooping if I was doing the same amount of resistant behavior back in the day. And so, (laughs) yeah, I'd have got a whooping like real quick. And so I definitely think that that's my madness. Like just trying to. They're hard headed. Yeah. And they will always look at you as their child. Even if you're an adult, you're still the child. So they're not, I feel like it's a, it's a, I don't know, like some cognitive dissonance of them thinking you can tell them what to do. Like it doesn't matter that you're Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the fact that I got scolded for, for taking walks in my neighborhood. I could get snatched as if I'm not a fully grown <laughs> woman who is not aware of oh her surroundings. <laughs> that is so, yes. My dad used to do the same thing. I'd be, I would call, you know, because I would call them in the afternoons and, you know, just to check in, see how things were going that day, you know, and they'd be like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm walking the neighborhood. You're walking the neighborhood. <laughs> you need to be careful. You just need to be careful. I just don't like that you're doing that. I'm like, it is 20 other neighbors out here walking with me. It's like, like it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's not even dark, y'all. Like, and <laughs> I came home from the grocery store one night, and I was talking to my dad. He had called me, and I was giving myself out. He was like, going by yourself I said yeah I was like you don't have no friends today I can't just call friends to go to the grocery store with me like I just like I can't have an escort everywhere I go right and it's the grocery store you know right I'm not running hiking in the woods snatching folks at Trader Joe's right like who is who at Trader Joe's snatching folks like (laughs) yeah but they're not listening either like I said my dad he got a haircut. He would he would not want me telling the world this, but he got a haircut this week. My granddaddy been going to church. I think he stopped. I'm gonna call him <laughs> Sunday and see. But I'm just like, right. <laughs> y'all don't listen. Right. I literally had to like host the intervention with my brother to like get my mom to stop doing tutoring in oh, her no. house. I was like, <laughs> please stop doing tutoring at home like I don't understand why there's the resistance like it it baffles me so you know back in the day and I'm not saying that you know punishment like spankings are not always the way (laughs) but I used to get a whooping for it and it works for me so I feel like I should be able to dish them out you know what I'm saying (laughs) yeah my mom would be the first one to get beat. I'd be like, Dad, hold her down because I'm about to wear her out. <laughs> I think my mom has gotten better since I fussed at her last time about going to the grocery store multiple times a week. They've gotten better. Mm-hmm. But I think this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. So I've yeah. accepted <laughs> Just I'm at the point of acceptance. You've, you've like, accepted okay. it. <laughs> so. Just accept that your grown parents are hard-headed. So hard-headed oh another media thing did you guys watch the becoming um documentary on netflix i would encourage you to watch it i mean i am in love with michelle obama so (laughs) i may be a little bit biased 
but I would encourage you to watch it um, because it's amazing. You know, it's it's really good. It was a feel good kind of yeah. like we needed this. We needed this. Um, so, yeah, that was a cool one. I'll try to watch that this weekend. I think that'll be a good probably Sunday watch for me. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Cool. Check it out. Well, all righty then. So um, today's topic is one that comes up a lot. We get a lot of questions. Um, I know personally, like in my professional world, and we see it, we've even got questions about it in, in our DMs is imposter syndrome. And how do I deal with imposter syndrome? Um, so let's first define it. So imposter syndrome is this feeling or belief that you are, you've only succeeded because of luck and not because of your talent or things that you're qualified for. And it was actually coined by um, two female psychologists back in the late 70s, uh, their studies of women mm-hmm. in the workplace. And they found um, that women were uniquely affected by this syndrome. Um, so it's basically their definition of when a person feels intellectually inferior despite demonstrated confidence. And I love that definition because it shows that there is demonstrated competence. Like you have shown that you're right. worthy, you're, de- you're deserving, but you still feel um, inferior. And this syndrome really affects minorities, um, women particularly, pretty hard. Um, so is that a belief that you're kind of like you're not supposed to be in the room and that you're going to get found out? because you're a fraud Uh you're not supposed to be there so because of this fear that you're going to get found out it sometimes leads people to not speak up because they don't want to bring attention to themselves um to not try out for things they don't apply for promotions or things that are you know may take them to the next level because they believe that they're not that it's a fluke that they're in the first place so they're not going to rock the boat um it also leads to being very hypercritical of mistakes Right, because it's going to reinforce that belief. Like, see, I knew it. I knew I wasn't supposed to be in this class. I knew I wasn't supposed to be at this job. So when you do make those mistakes, you look at it as supporting evidence. Right. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. Um, I, I think it rears its head when there is, you know, I think it can come up on your own, kind of your your own question, and it's it's not questioned because you haven't demonstrated that you're able to do it, but there are these biases, you know, towards certain groups, particularly I think women and minority groups, that there's automatically this lesser thinking, you know, that you're, you're less capable. You might be capable or you, yeah, you may have gone through this, but there's this idea that others, they know better or have done better or can do better. Um, and when you experience that bias, I think it strengthens that that mindset of imposter syndrome. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to point out that oftentimes imposter syndrome is a very cognitive piece. And so no amount of hard work that you do will quiet it because like April said, you're already competent. You're already successful, hardworking, highly responsible most of the time. And so no amount of like going above and beyond is going to quiet that voice in your head that says they're going to find you out. It's important to know that it's a cognitive piece and that's a way that you can come in and battle it through cognitive, um, 
through cognitive strategies. Yeah. And I think one reason women um, and other minorities are affected so much is that you kind of touched on this a little bit, Erica. Um, when you don't see yourself in places, uh-huh. it's very hard to see yourself in those places. Like you can't be what you right. can't see. So when you're the only, you know, fill in the blank, it's definitely easy to feel isolated in general, but then kind of like, well, why am I here? And am I good enough for all these people? And then um, the issue of not having representation is it feeds into those messages that especially racial minorities are given, not even all racial minorities, but black people specifically Mm -hmm. around not being smart enough or you're just here because of affirmative action um, and all of kind of those yeah. both implicit implicit and explicit messages that have been may have been told about your ability. So although it is cognitive, um, mm-hmm. it's not coming out of thin air, right? It's like yeah. it, you may have received this message exactly. in some shape, form, or fashion that you don't belong or that you're not smart enough. Um, maybe it was a teacher who made a blunt comment in your fifth grade class about your capabilities and that thing stuck with you and you find yourself hearing that in adulthood. Yeah, definitely. And being able to know that it may be messages that are in that space that you're in, like you may have people who are sending those messages to you and saying like, hey, yeah, you know, questioning your work and questioning your capability. um, And that definitely heightens it. But also, like April said, sometimes we carry these messages with us. So you may be in an environment that is supportive and that is, you know, that does believe in your capability. But because we carry some of those biases with us um, sometimes it can cause us to question ourselves and say like am I going to measure up or do these people think this about me and so it's definitely a lot more complex than just saying oh you're good enough just know that you're good enough you know it it brings a lot of complexity and a lot of weight with it Mm -hmm. I noticed um and I'll speak you know just kind of recently so when I knew that I was going to be relocating and moving and looking for jobs um I started to have like imposter syndrome come up for me when it was like okay I'm looking at these positions and oh am I qualified am I capable like can I manage this yes I am a, a psychologist yes I've been doing this work for these many years, but it makes you, you know, that whole imposter syndrome is like, well, yeah, I mean, I have, and you know that you're capable. And I do remember looking at a, um, a job description and I'm reading it and I was like, yeah, I was like, I think it would be a really great job for me to apply for, but I just don't think that, um, um, I, I could, or I can. So I actually had someone else look at it. And when they were saying, well, no, you've done this. And then they could actually identify stuff. And like, I'm going through like, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, I've done that. And like, I have examples and talking points. They were like, there's nothing on here that I've read that you have not Mm -hmm. had the experience, you have the knowledge, and you have a supporting example of when you've actually done this or utilized this skill. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, and sometimes it takes coming out of your head or helping having someone help you navigate through that, that, you know, syndrome that like, no, 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 no. What those um, and being able to pull to the facts of let's look at the facts. 
this is what your skills are. This is what you've done. Right. Yeah. And that that goes to speak like there's different types of imposter syndrome. And that type that you're speaking on is like the expert type. So like Mm -hmm. shuddering when someone says you're an expert in this. Right. You can actually do this. And and I think I experienced that after um, obtaining my doctorate and like going out and hearing people say, oh, well, you're the expert in this field. And me question being like, who told you that? Like, where you get that from? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like who? And it's like, well, nobody told me. But the fact that you have gone to school, like you are certified to be the expert in this. And so yeah. it, it's one of those things where it's like it takes a while to overcome that. And it does take people kind of questioning your thought pattern and being able to say like, mm-hmm. you've done this, like you actually can mm-hmm. speak on this, you actually can be the mm-hmm. expert in the room on this subject yeah. on this topic. Um, and oh, being right. able to have that, like somebody challenge you on that. Yeah. And being an expert doesn't mean all knowing. Yes. Right. Yes. It just means that you are well-versed and knowledgeable in that area. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, because I think that's what we we kind of fix in our mind. Like, oh, I'm not all-knowing. It's like, well, mm-hmm. of course, you mm-hmm. know, but in that area, you're knowledgeable, you're well-versed, you, you have the experience to speak on it. And I think sometimes that imposter, that expert imposter comes in and saying, no, you're, you're, uh, you're inexperienced. You're going to be exposed for being inexperienced and you're going to be exposed mm-hmm. for being unknowledgeable when that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And I think that's why it's really mm-hmm. important yeah. to, um, I'm a firm believer in letting other people tell you no before you tell yourself no. And this is kind of a, a mantra yes. I, I use for myself whenever I come across things like, oh, I don't know this. I don't think I'm ready for that. And it's like, well, no, let them tell me no. Like, cause who, who knows? Like, yeah. you know, don't talk yourself out of something. Um, and I also, after 2016, I said, I'm living life with the confidence of a mediocre white man. Girl. Okay. This <laughs> idea that you have to be super smart to be in certain rooms is really not true, especially, and I think Michelle Obama's had like, been quoted about that multiple yes, times. Yes, I was literally about to say yeah, that. And yeah, and once you are around, especially in certain jobs I've had, the longer I've been around and been in, in certain meetings or adjacent to certain big decisions, you realize like, oh, a lot of people have no idea what they're doing. They're just, exactly. they're just hunting idea. or yeah. they're well-connected. And so it's given me a lot of confidence in, in being able to make mistakes. Yeah. Now, granted, I do recognize, you know, my mistakes may be viewed a little differently than others, but like not letting mm-hmm. that stop you. So I think when Shari mentioned er- earlier about like the cognitive, cognitive component, one thing that I work with people dealing with the imposter syndrome is getting to the heart of the insecurity. Like what's that thought mm-hmm. that comes up and then working on countering that insecurity because like what have you said, like you're not going to outwork imposter syndrome. You're never going to get to a place no. where you're going to have enough work where you feel better. So the, the goal is to work on the, that perce- that belief that you aren't supposed to be there yeah. in the first place. Yeah. So what might be some examples of like thoughts, like these these kind of faulty cognitions that that would come up that would kind of hint at, okay, this might be imposter syndrome that someone is dealing with. I'm not smart enough. I'm not supposed to be here. Everyone else is smarter than me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This thought that I am 
I'm, I don't know enough. Like, like April said, like, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. Um, the question of why was I picked? Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that with myself often, usually like when I know that imposter syndrome is starting to pop up is when I start saying, well, why me? And not mm-hmm. so-and-so. Why me and not this other person? Because this other person is great. They know this. They know that. They know this. Why me? And so mm-hmm. when that question comes up, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, imposter police. You looking for the <laughs> wrong person because I'm not the imposter in this situation, you know. Mm-hmm. And also things of like hyper focusing on your mistakes. So like, man, I can't believe I did that. They're going to think I'm so stupid. They're never going to give me this opportunity again. I'm never going to have this opportunity again. I can't believe I messed up. So kind of that ruminating on a mistake is really yeah, that fear of failure, feeling like a mistake is a failure. A mistake is an opportunity to uh, improve. It's not a failure. Right. So what are some things that we could tell someone about like how to attack this? Because it sounds like a lot of it. We talked about environmental, like real, you know, contributors to feeling like an imposter. But we also talked a lot about um, it's an internal thing. And so, you know, we we all know that the first place that you can make the most changes within yourself. And so what are some of the things that what's the starting point? I, you got to start there with with yourself. Right. Because you can't do much about the external world. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely yeah. start with um, your own thoughts. So I'm a firm believer in daily affirmations and how you talk to yourself. You know, like the whole idea of what mm-hmm. you feed is what's going to grow. So starting mm-hmm. the morning or when you get to work or wherever that place is where you find yourself feeling the most doubt, having little reminders mm-hmm. around your room or your office that you can say to yourself. Also celebrate your wins. And I don't know if we talked about this on yes. it before, but I think we have a gross misunderstanding of humility where it makes mm-hmm. us kind of ignore or really downplay our wins and so if you are already kind of affected by imposter syndrome you're hyper focusing hyper focusing on your losses and minimizing your wins so it's going to be imbalanced so having a record of things that you've done well to remind yourself and I did this a lot with my dissertation um being ABD like Mm -hmm. I was beating myself up all the time all the time of like Mm -hmm. how have you you know finished you've taken so long and then one day I went down the list of all the things I'd accomplished um, as a doctoral yeah. student that mm-hmm. is not ne- not normal at all and things that I was able to accomplish. It's like, yeah, okay. So you gotta, you can't only focus on the things you didn't do right. You also have to give yourself credit mm-hmm. for all the other stuff. And that kind of helped like attitude around it. That yeah. reminds me of an exercise you say you do April with like your class when they have to write their um, like acceptance speech. Yes, I love it. Um, like their favorite. radical acceptance speech yeah. where they are like getting up there and they're like, the speech is basically like you hyping yourself and being like, this is why I'm on this stage because I'm dope and I deserve mm-hmm. to be here. And like really putting in like the reasons why you are accepting the award or why you're getting the medal or why you're getting that success. Mm-hmm. So one of the places that I recognized um, that I was not 
fully acknowledging my strengths and accomplishments was on my CV. And I would notice, so um, in um, my previous job, I, you know, was a part of like hiring and um, different things like that. And then I've been involved with interviewing new applicants and I will pull up CVs and I was like, oh, I never thought to put that on my CV. I've never thought to put that on my CV. Oh, they added this to their CV. I've done that too. And it's like, hmm, why are you not counting some of these things, you know, as, you know, professional accomplishments or just, you know, valuable contributions to the field. And I was like, I have minimized or at least maybe not not accounted for a lot of things. And so that was one of the places that I said, you know what? It's helpful to to see what you've done. You know, you can write it down. Those are the facts. You know, and if you ever have a hard time, kind of, you know, you start kind of thinking, I'm not an expert. I'm not capable of doing those things. The CV is a running total, right? And you need to be putting those things on there and updating constantly, constantly, constantly. I bet there's probably tons of things even you guys have done that have not made it onto your CV. Oh, most certainly. Most certainly. Yeah. And and for those who I may not know what a CV is, it's just like, I just it, it's a long <laughs> ass resume, basically. <laughs> and right. a very detailed, a very resume. detailed like a timeline resume. of your professional Exactly. But what I think is cool yeah. about that, Erica, is like creating your own personal like resume, you know, like, you know, CV or resumes tend to be placed in like the business realm um but like making like a personal one you know like what are the personal accomplishments that you've done um because some people may feel imposter syndrome about things that are outside of business so you may feel like an imposter if you're Mm a mom or as a as a as a friend or, Uh, you know, in just different areas of your life, you know, you may feel like an imposter, you know, and they're going to find me out. And so it may be cool to like do a personal CV in that area so that you can have a running list. And anytime the imposter police shows up, you can bring it out and be like, no, these are my papers. (laughs) Like, this is why. Can we do that? Can we have a like virtual meetup and have our friends write our like oh, write that a personal? Would be so cool. Let's do it. Uh, and like yeah, share them with each other. Dope. We should do that. Let's do it. But I, I think it it, it shows people how to like amp their like be a hype man for yourself for yourself you know mm-hmm. um because there are things that we do every day that we consider like oh you know people just do this like you just get it done mm-hmm. and we don't consider like the hard work that we put in in mm-hmm. our friendships and as parents or as you know like working out or just like whatever you know and so being able to have like that personal CV, that personal resume can be really helpful with like pointing those things out to you when you lose sight and lose focus of them. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. The record keeping and just kind of if we're thinking about strategies or things that that listeners and ourselves um, can kind of take away, 
I think being mindful of record keeping of your own, even if you have to put it in a jar. Mm-hmm. So let's say you don't really want to do the resume or CV, but it needs to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you if you are from a family or a background where people don't celebrate wins. Um, and I noticed that even as mm-hmm. growing yes. up, like my brother was at the athletic one, I yeah. was not. And so you saw, or I saw noticeable differences in like athletic accomplishments versus getting like a spelling bee win. So, you know, you kind of get used to certain things. And we've talked about that before, like with even with graduation, how some people yeah. downplay finishing a doctoral program <laughs> as yes. if it was not the hardest time in your life. Yeah. But having the records. Yes. You know, it's so funny that you say that because that's that's one of the things that I, I used to keep in mind, too. It's like, wow, I feel like my doctoral degree was like the biggest thing that ever happened to me. But the most response that I got about attending anything was attending my wedding mm-hmm. and not about attending any of the three graduations that I've had. Right. So exactly. Um, yeah. And I think about those things. I've like, often... show me my commencement uh, program before you get an invitation. <laughs> Okay. Well, then that list would look like the people who are now on my wedding list. And it's about 35. Girl, less for me, my mama. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and not to hold it, you know, not to hold it against. I I say that because I just, you know, it it just highlights the fact that you're right. There's some things that are more wins for uh, considered like celebratory for other people than, you know, some of the wins that. You know, we we really need to be able to document and say, yeah, these were big things that I've done and I've accomplished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to have like a circle of friends that are going to be able to say to you like, no, you've done this. You've done that. Like, this is amazing. Like people who are going to celebrate you because it's oftentimes like April said, if you don't come from a family of celebrators, it's hard to celebrate yourself. Like you have to, like you have to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so to have people who are like, let's celebrate you. Like, girl, you worked out three times this week. We having a party, (laughs) you know, like you have to be able to find people who are going to celebrate those places where you feel like an imposter Mm -hmm. and like hold you up. And you know, that that's one that is so, so valuable. So Mm -hmm. important. Absolutely. The funny thing, I saw someone tweet this and this is last thing I'll say is real imposters, like people who have actually been caught faking things. They never suffer from imposter. <laughs> never. Like the actual people who are not qualified have the most confidence. Most. So again, sometimes you do have to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Act as if you are confident. Yeah. One thing that Mother Michelle said, right? You know, Mother. I'm talk about my Michelle Obama. Mother. Mother. Mother Michelle, one thing that she said in the documentary that really struck home to me is that when we think about affirmative action, there's so many different types of affirmative action. There's so many types of ways that people get into the room. You know, there's so many types of like ways that people say, oh, well, you know, you knew this person or you're, you you know, you're, you were the star football player or you, there's so many types of ways that people get into the room Mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with their abilities, nothing to do with what they're capable of. And 
And so being able to realize that the fact that you're in the room, you deserve to be in the room, or even if you ain't in the room yet, you deserve to enter. And so being able to have people who are going to say that to you, being able to have ways that you can remind yourself of that, that's something that is so extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome topic, y'all. That was yeah. really cool. One thing that I, I was looking up and doing a little bit of research, and one thing that research says is about 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point. Mm-hmm. So if you are experiencing this, or if you know some of our dialogue helped you to realize that you have experienced this or that it's really something that comes up for you often just know that you're not alone and Mm -hmm. know know that there are others who are experiencing very similar things and that you can definitely overcome the imposter syndrome in different areas of your life so thank y'all for listening to us about that feelings are not facts so it's okay to feel unprepared it's okay to feel scared it's okay to feel doubt but just know that that doesn't mean that it's true. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of it. It's just, uh, thank you for saying that that percentage. Cause yeah, yeah. a lot of people feel, feel it. Yeah. And I was told too that like, and I don't, I don't know where the, the data is on this, but I was told that usually it takes around two to three years of you really being in something that's a new learned skill um, before you stop kind of having that imposter feeling. And I, I found that to be true for myself. It kind of took maybe about two years after just really after graduating and finally finishing with my doctorate. And it's like, okay, now you, now you are a psychologist. Yes. And not, you know, feeling like, um, that I was an imposter. It took, it took a while, but it will go away because, you know, you will gain your stride. You will recognize I can do this because I am doing this. Um, and so just give yourself some grace. You just will get a little past grace. it. Mm-hmm. Just a little grace. I like that. I think that'll be my theme for the week. Just a little grace. Just a little <laughs> grace. Exactly. All right. Well, wrapping up that topic. Thank you guys for listening. Just kind of take note on, you know, what it feels like. Recognize if that's something you're experiencing. And hopefully we gave some tips that can help with overcoming that. And so... We are going to move into the favorite part of the show, Send One Your Love, where we focus on who we would like to send our love to, who we would like to um, send our thoughts and warm, um, sincere energy. And so it can be a person, an entity, but we always want to pay it forward. Always want to pay it forward. So do you guys have anything, any person you'd like to send your love to? I do. I just thought of it. I'm going to send my love to the class of 2020. Yay! Yay. Um, and all of the graduates, our, 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 almost said the name, our babies at the university who graduated, who we've seen almost since their freshman year, watch them grow. Yeah. They could have a formal goodbye, but sending my love to all those, um, whether it's high school, college, professional school, um, who finished in a very tumultuous semester and y'all kept, y'all kept going and hopefully you'll be able to celebrate, um, more officially later once things are safer, but sending my love and congratulations to those to those graduates. Excellent. Um, oh gosh, who do I want to send my love to? I want to send my love to 
a few people. So I want to send my love to my nieces and nephews um, who put together my first Mother's Day basket. And right, so cute. And they just, they put together all the things that they've seen me consume over the years. I had wine, Mike and Ike's, um, these old school cookies. I don't even know what they're called, but I have been eating these cookies since I was five, y'all. They found these cookies and they put it in my basket and they had just all these different candies that I liked, the wine that I liked, cookies, and my dad made homemade oatmeal raisin pecan cookies, one of my favorites. So they put together a basket for me, and it was so sweet. And also Shari, who sent me flowers. Um, and, of course, my fiancé was like, who sent you flowers? And, uh, right? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I got to keep him on his toes, though. I got to keep him <laughs> on his toes. <laughs> but they were beautiful. They were so beautiful. So it was just really nice. I wasn't expecting um, anything because it's kind of a different space to be in when you're about to become a step-parent. Um and so I wasn't thinking of myself as a parent. And so just to have other people kind of recognize that role for me, um, I thought was really nice. So I want to send my love to them. Thank you all so very much. How about you, Shari? Um, I want to point out that you're still saying pecans when we discuss that it's pecans, but we're going to move we forward. We did not discuss um, and decide. I told you it differs. <laughs> it differs. It's pecan for something, and it's pecan for others. If it's a tree, that's the only time it's pecan. That's right. If it's a tree, it's a pecan tree. Y'all done followed y'all own grammatical rules, but, you know, I digress. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want to send my love to my best, best friends, April, Erica, and Tiffany. Um, I've been like a super emotional, ridiculous person lately, but I really want (laughs) to appreciate those three ladies. They are like my found family, and so I definitely want to send my love to you guys every day um because y'all like hold me together y'all definitely keep me moving and keep me going and so yeah send my love there well we love you back thank you we love you too Awesome. Well, we would not want to sign off without um, thanking all of our listeners. Please continue to listen. Please um, continue to share your reviews, your comments um, on our social media platforms. We can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Three Sykes and a Mic. That is the number three, Sykes and a Mic. If you would like to send us a direct message, um, you can also email us at our email address, which is three sites and a mic at gmail.com please continue to subscribe comment and follow us on social media as well as different podcast listening platforms and on that note we are going to sign off and everyone we hope you have an amazing 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 week and we love you Bye. bye thanks for listening bye